Warning, what you are about to listen to contains explicit language, adult themes, and random types of ridiculousness that may not be suitable for listeners under the age of 18. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Feeling better than before. I now have more metal than the Terminator had. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, obviously still you know, having a little issue with my voice, but I hope you can bear with me. So, you know who your host is. The new and improved robot, Russell the Love Muscle. You don't really want to know where all that metal's at, but hey, it's somewhere. Who knows? Anyway, today we're going to talk about five things that, you know, you may not know or maybe you should know about Vietnam because everything has always been focused about the bad, you know, Vietnam, terrible, 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 terrible. What was terrible is allowing the, you know, the, the news to get out there on a battlefield and show, you know, the American public what really goes on. And they, you know, they, in a sense, this is my personal opinion, of course, but they just stole the, um, I don't know, like the honor of, you know, being a American fighting person, you know, and, and, you know, war's war, you know, and, and regardless, when you look at it, you know, like to this day, you know, it's with, with all the negative, uh, media that's just scared the crap out of mothers and fathers and you know whatever there are still so many of us that like just need it it's like there's a calling in us from from the day we come sliding out of the chute of our mothers and we you know and our our little boots hit the ground and it's like you just gotta do it you know you gotta get into it so i'm gonna try to focus on some of like the i don't know like the the little things that we might not know or some of the positives Instead of just, you know, like, oh, war's bad. Well, of course war's bad. People die. And it's never easy. Well, and I mean, unless you, like, I don't know, catch a sniper's round right in the forehead, then I guess it would be pretty easy. But other than that, war's pretty terrible. But at the same time, it's gratifying, and it gives us, you know, we, we learn a lot from it both, you know. And there's a lot of just uh, societal gains, you know. The, like, our medical, um, what we stand in this country as far as, and, and I guess throughout the world, as far as how the medical um, field and all the breakthroughs, they don't happen in a, in a laboratory. I mean, some little ones do, but like the big stuff, you know, like missing limbs or big gaping, sucking chest wounds. Doctors know how to deal with that now because of stuff that doctors, you know, back in the day had to find a way to deal with right there on the spot and had never seen anything like it before. On the battlefield. So, I mean, there's a lot of good that comes from war. I mean, you know, 
not trying to piss anybody off. I'm not trying. This is, like I said, it's my personal opinion, so sue me. <laughs> so let's, let's get this thing started here. All right. So, number one, the U.S. involvement in Vietnam actually began with Eisenhower. So somewhere in the late 1950s, you know, during the uh, Eisenhower administration, um, you know, Vietnam had already, you know, had some internal, um, some internal issues and had already split. So, I mean, that's, some may know that, some may not know that. I mean, it's pretty, pretty simple, but it was really the Cold War anxieties, you know, that, that just, I guess, dictated, you know, um, that we were going to war with the North Vietnamese. I mean, that was just period because they were communists and it was a, a really scary time, you know, considering we just got out of World War One, or I'm sorry, World War Two, And, you know, like one of the smallest, most, you know, unknown, you know, like, like I guess specifically unknown wars, you know, it, it, you know, the Korean War. And then we got this one and it's like back to back to back. And, um, you know, once the Northern Vietnamese uh, communists started to like kind of gain control, it was a fear that like the rest of the Southeast Asia would just fall, you know, they would just easily just fall like dominoes in a sense. And, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say after that. I mean, we all know where it all ended up, so I'm not going to keep on talking about it. Um, number two. The United States and uh, South Vietnam had Catholic presidents who were shot to death <laughs> in November of 1963. I laugh, but I mean, seriously, what's the odds? I mean, you'd almost start thinking like conspiracy theory. So if you're listening to this and you, um, I don't know, you have a knack for writing movies, you might want to write a movie about that because that's just kind of funky, you know, when you think about it. But so, you know, it's, uh, what was it? It was... You know, November 2nd, 1963, uh, Kennedy immediately regretted, um, uh, I can't pronounce his name, I'm going to murder it, but he was, you know, the South Korean, you know, I guess, president um, or ruler, I mean, he was a tyrant, but either which way, um, but yeah, so, you know, he gets shot, Kennedy's like, oh my God, it's terrible, and then like three, you know, three weeks later, Kennedy ends up on the receiving end of one of those little tiny little projectiles that make heads explode. So, yeah. It's kind of coincidental, isn't it? I mean, that's... Hello, CIA. Now, after I go ahead and publish this, or all those who are listening there, if I get shot in the head three weeks from now, the CIA did it. <laughs> so, anyway, you know, I, I, who knows? It could be, it could be, um, you know, just strange coincidence, but most likely not just the way the world works nowadays. Well, starting back then, shit kind of happens for a reason. So, we just got to do it. So, anyway, uh, the music's kicking up. Let's listen to one of my sponsors, and uh, I'll see you after the commercial. Do you find it difficult to fall asleep? Do you want to kill your husband? Is it impossible to sexually arouse your partner? Well, it's time to learn about pillows. But not just any pillow. We're talking about my pillow. 
Hey, Mike, how you doing? So you're here to tell everyone about my problem? Looks like you already got some nice pillows, so I don't need to tell you anything, but I'm here to talk about pillows that don't have nipples, you know, like the ones you sleep on. Right, so I got the idea one day when I was getting fucked real hard, but these guys took all my money, broke my neck, so there I was, flopping around like a fish out of water, and it was like, you know, God spoke to me and told me, Mike, pull yourself together, man, because you need to start selling pillows, because, well, everyone uses pillows, you know, I'm sure you do. Okay, yeah, I've used one before. Awesome. Okay, now here's your standard everyday pillow, you know, you put stuff on it, like your head, and you're bouncing around around, then you got your jaw and you have so much pressure, your jaw can snap in half because you got all that physics of the weight at your shoulders. Yeah, now that you mention it, my jaw does kind of hurt. Yeah, I'm sure there's other reasons for that. Okay, now here we have memory foam. Everyone was obsessed with these. I'm sure you tried one at one point. Yeah, and they made my neck kind of hurt. Well, yeah, because you know, they're just too soft. Yep, yep. it's no good. All right, now speaking of too soft, check this out. We got ourselves a feather pillow. Now, feather pillows, you put all your weight on them, and look at that. They're so flat. Now, there's a reason for that. You see, scientists discovered that dinosaurs actually had feathers, and dinosaurs, as we all know, are a thing of the past. You got to move on. Yeah, like, why would you still be using ancient old technology? I mean, nowadays, we have new technology, right? Right, yeah. Boy, you took the words right out of my fucking face. Now, I got some new technology right here. Now, this is your windpipe, right? One's going to your mouth, one's your butt. Now, all that air you see the way the body's built is air's traveling through and you're it can break at any second now and you can die and then no one can't straighten it back out i know i can't and so what i do as I take my pillow, you see, it can bend, it can fold, you can put weight on it. Well, I mean, it's easy to say just by looking at the pillow that it's a premium, innovative new product and everyone should have one. Why wouldn't you buy one? I've always been told that saying is believing, but that's a bunch of bullshit. And the only way to believe something is to feel it, and the only way to do that is to buy it. <laughs> so, I usually sleep in my pajamas, but ever since I got my pillow... It's just been so much better to sleep totally naked and keep the pillow under my butt, you know? And it's great because no one takes it away because it stinks so bad. Finding new ways to discipline my children isn't easy, you know? I've done everything from timeouts to pulling out chunks of her hair, but I mean nothing beats the threat of smothering her little face using my pillow. Doing drugs can make you feel wonderful, but it ain't right. And ever since I got myself a pillow, I stopped smoking dope, and now look at me, I'm sober. It's changed my life. La, 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 I need a lot of therapy because I hear voices in my head. And more often than not, the voices say that your mouth looks like a butthole with two extra butts on the sides. Every night, I have a dream where I poop my pants. I wake up and sure enough, I'm covered in poop. Sleeping on a pillow. Awesome. Please, somebody help. Adopt me. A lot of people tell me I look kind of penisy, you know? because I have a little neck and a big red head. And, you know, a lot of women tell me it actually turns them on. So I love to sleep on my side. And that's because there's a lot of advantages, like you can fart and there's no blockage and the same door's open for entry. And you can get really drunk, pass out, not choke on your barf and die. Well, uh, there you go. Uh, it's a great product. You should buy it. Welcome back to his story. You know me, the love muscle, the mechanical, or the mechanical, I can't speak anymore, the mechanical ninja, the lover, the, the keeper of all knowledge. So where did we, where did we leave off? We left off with, um, yeah, 
South, <laughs> South Vietnamese president gets killed. Three weeks later, our president gets killed all by a sniper. Both Catholic. Kind of strange. So number three. And this has been a hot button topic for me. Like I've started off with the show in the beginning. It was TV forever changed the way, you know, that our public would view war. Um, it basically just took and, um, you know, it, it took control from, you know, from the government and the war propaganda, and you know, which used to pump people up. You know, they didn't really know that, like. Bombs explode. There's all kinds of just horrible atrocities, this, that, and the other. And, and it kind of helped, you know. I, I personally believe it. You know, I think, you know, it was a good thing. Um, you know, like Sans Iwo Jima. I mean, what an awesome movie. And I mean, it still had actually some pretty, pretty, you know, gnarly stuff in it. But Vietnam put, you know, the cameras right there, live feed, front lines, you know, and that's. You want to, you know, turn the stomachs of the American public and you want to just, I don't know, give tools for, um, part of me wants to call them cowards. You know, the people that were like, I'm going to burn my draft card. I'm not going to war, you know, and, and, and this is why you kind of gave them ammo and you, and you gave them a way out and it gained support from their families. And it was like, you flash or, you know, you, you rewind time. If you were to just, you know, like run off the battlefield, I mean, they would burn a C in your forehead so that the rest of like the, the rest of the time you were on this planet, everyone knew you were a coward. And, you know, is it right? Is it wrong? You know, the, the government sending us into battles when we really don't know what we're doing or not battles, but wars. And, and we don't really know why. And there's all kinds of hidden agendas. Who cares? You know, like, because what ends up happening is. Our country gets involved, we start losing public support, and then, like, I don't know, like Vietnam, um, Desert Shield, Desert Storm, OIF, they start pulling the troops back, and then you end up losing everything your brothers had fought for. All the, you know, those big conquests, like Fallujah. I was there in the beginning and at the end, and my God, it that was a shit show. It was brutal, but... At the end of it, I mean, there was coffee shops. Life was good. I mean, I was actually on the first convoy that actually drove back from Fallujah down to Decrypt. If you don't know where that is, get a map or you probably Google it on your phone. But we actually convoyed the whole company right through, all the way down, when years prior, you had a fly-in at night. So, I mean, whatever. Personal opinion, obviously, I got on my high horse because, you know, yeah. Like I said, y'all love podcasts. You can't sue me, and it's my personal opinion. So, I don't know. Email me at uh, russelldoesn'tgiveashit.com. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, number four. Um, I guess this is kind of, you know, caveats off the third point, but some Americans actually resorted to self-mutilation to avoid the draft. I mean, like, I've heard rumors of people doing that stuff, you know, like, Oh, God, you know, like we're going to deploy again. You know, we've only been back three months and then someone falls down a flight of stairs. Or somehow another, you know, like they lop into their arm with, I don't know, a circular saw. Believe it. People do it. Just to get out of deployment. And I mean, I can understand, you know, the fear. You know, if you've never been in the military and then, you you know, you're looking at all this stuff that's, you know, the TV's portraying and, be, and, and all that Stuff is, you know, that's just 
It really is. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's brutal. But if you're going to hurt yourself to get out of it, shit, I mean, you're a bigger man than me because I'm, I'm, I hurt myself a lot, obviously, but I, I'm not going to purposely hurt myself to try to avoid, you know, deploying. I don't know. Pretty, pretty wild. I did not actually know that one. And then number five, and I'm going to wrap it up with this one because this one it cracks me up. U.S. troops endured 120 degree temperatures while sitting in swamps. Yeah, well, try sitting in 136 degrees with, you know, full, you know, combat load in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I, I guess those two run hand in hand, you know, but yeah, it, it sucks. But the worse it is when you're there, the better the stories when you come back. If you have an easy deployment, there's nothing to talk about. You come back from a really terrible deployment, it's amazing. You can spend like, I don't know, seven, nine, 13 months with, you know, with, with, with four of your best friends just out alone and unafraid. And you come back from deployment, you think you'd want to kill each other, but nope. That night, you're back together, and then you just bring your wives along so that they feel like they're part of it. Then you drink beer and talk about how awesome your deployment was and laugh about all the terrible stuff. So, I don't know. But again, hey, we're all individuals. We all have a different way of dealing with things, but I just find that one kind of ironic. And then here, here's a little bonus one for you. And I mean, you got to admit, I mean, you want to talk about a presidency that was just not one that... You, you know, I guess you wouldn't want to become president the way he became president and then have to live with Vietnam as your legacy because LBJ actually, you know, like his whole fear was that out of everything that he had done in his whole political career, he was only going to be remembered for the Vietnam War. And I can understand that. I mean, that's, that ain't cool. You know, I, is what it is. Maybe he should have, I don't know, slept with one of his interns and then he would remember for that. I don't know. I mean, but it, Vietnam may or may not have been his fault. I wasn't alive back then. I don't know what role he played. I don't know if he voted for stuff or against stuff. Who knows? All I know is, is Vietnam, it was. It was brutal. You know, um, my uncle was there. A lot of my family friends, uh, older Friends were, you know, were involved in it and, you know, they have a different look in their eyes than what I have, you know, um, in my eyes. So your war was obviously 10 million times tougher than I've ever experienced, nor do I ever want to. But so I'm not trying to make light of this as a whole. I just figured that those were a couple of just unique facts that you don't see in movies. And then I gave you a funny twist with my ridiculous uh, point of view. So I think um, I think I'm pretty much out of time here, and I look forward to hearing, seeing, and hoping you're hearing me next week when I come back with Vietnam. Eleven things you didn't even know. Love muscle out. <laughs>